Another day Another dollar Makes you wonder where your money went you Hi folks, this is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast As always, one man's view of the changing world and the changing times The things that we can all do to live a better life If times get tough or even if they don't dictate it, it's almost always the case during my 50-mile commute between Arlington and Frisco, Texas. Today is Thursday, October the 8th, 2009. This is episode 293 of the Survival Podcast, and uh, I think we'll have a good one today. I'm going to talk about the economy, which I know isn't everybody's cup of tea, but I have uh, I have a reason for it. I have something I'm going to be doing next week that's going to tie into it. I'll tell you about in just a second. Before that... That. Uh, usually I do my housekeeping now, but before my housekeeping, I have a couple announcements to, to, to make. Um, every time I do this show, I get on the air, and the very first thing that I tell you is this is one man's view of the changing world and the changing times. That's my way of saying I will screw things up at times, uh, or you may disagree with me even if I'm not wrong. It could be either one of them. But we're not going to agree all the time. You don't have to agree with me. And occasionally, I'm just going to make a factual mistake. So I did that yesterday, and it was really more in the way that I delivered it and the way I understood what I was saying than reality. I was talking about firearms yesterday, and the form that we fill out, a little yellow form, when we buy a gun. And I said that that form is destroyed 72 hours after it's filled out, and there's no record of where that gun went after it's been filled out that way. Now, some people started ranting and raving about, well, this state does this and that state does that. Listen, I'm talking about federal law here. If your state is stupid, move to a new state. I I cannot worry about, well, this state that and the other state this. If you have to do a firearms registration in your state, then you know that when you do it. So that part I have no apologies for. And those of you that write emails to me, if you put more than three words together in a row with the caps lock key on, I delete your email without reading it. I want you to know that. I don't get yelled at in an email. Alright, that's just bullshit, and I don't read your email when you do that. So if you want your point made, don't do that. Now, the next part that I actually totally screwed up is, that yellow piece of paper lives technically forever. It doesn't go to the federal government though. The guy you buy the gun from is required to keep it, and if he um, ever goes out of business, it's transferred to a government facility where it's microfished and it's stored. So all the data is there. It is a a cumbersome thing to sort through. There's no giant computer database right now that the government can just start, you know, matching firearms up uh, to individuals with. But if they wanted to figure out where a certain gun was sold and who bought it, it can be done. So I was wrong about that. I apologize. But you people that write with all caps and get all bent out of shape and think I'm some part part of some kind of governmental conspiracy to lie to people, don't listen to me. You really annoy the hell out of me. Um, and God, you're, you're strapping that hat on way too tight. The guy that actually accused me of that, I, I really hope you're listening today for the last time. All right, let's move on from there. Because my other two announcements are pretty cool. Uh, and the first one is uh, Ron Hood will be uh, interviewing with me tonight, and I will have him on uh, for you guys to listen to tomorrow. For those that don't know who Ron Hood is, he is an icon in the survivalist industry. He has, you know, just... Just 
hundreds of hours of video uh, available through his DVD, and uh, so long he's been doing it VHS. I think you actually still buy VHSs of some of them. Uh, that's how long he's been doing it. He's going to be here tomorrow, kind of in the theme that we've talked with John McCann and Dave Canterbury this week about, uh, but from a little bit different of a perspective. Ron is an amazing guy. I think you'll love it. Uh, the other thing I want to let you know is I was on the Handgun Podcast with Eric Shelton last night. Um, it was a great interview, uh, and it was fun to go on somebody else's show. I don't know if he's published his latest uh, episode yet. When he does, I'll include a link in either today's show notes or whatever show notes. But I want to let you know I did a guest spot on the Handgun Podcast with Eric. We talked about bug out bags. It was really cool to get two guys' opinions from different vantage points on, on, on this. I think we got to the same location in most areas, but maybe by different routes, and I think that's good. So that knocks out the announcements. Let's go ahead and uh, real quick do the housekeeping. Number one, take care of our sponsors. They're, uh, they're supporting the show. Sponsors of the day today are Sawtooth Tactical. Uh, really cool stuff, guys. Especially you tactical guys. You're going to love some of the things that are available at Sawtooth Tactical. Check them out. And then I want to welcome a new sponsor today, Western Botanicals, who uh, provides uh, 100% certified organic uh, supplements. So that's something that I'm very glad that one of our last sponsorship slots went to because I've been hoping to uh, to bring somebody on with that. I'm big into herbals myself. Uh, I have a lot of belief and faith in them. I believe in what they can do. I am willing to accept their limitations. These guys are too. Um, the uh, the head guy over there, uh, Kyle, is going to come on the show at some point to do an interview with us and talk about herbal medications. And uh, I want you to check their site out today. I think there's a lot of value there, and I'm glad to have them with us. Uh, next, uh, consider joining the uh, Member Support Brigade if you think this show is worth more than 20 cents an episode. Um, I'll tell you what, I, I get in, in here and I just try to rock this thing for you guys every day. I try to do the best I can. I try not to just to give you practical advice, but I try to inspire you when I can. I try to bring you down to real, or, or, you know, where and as I can. And when I screw up, I admit it. So if that's worth two dimes an episode, consider joining the brigade. Uh, and you'll get more than $80 worth of value right now, absolutely for free on day one. So at $50 a year, you basically have already covered your first year and a half of membership. And I'm going to keep adding value to that, guys, I promise you. All right, so let's get into today's topic, which is the economy, where it's going, what I think is happening, what I think we can expect to see over the next two to three years, why I think that. Now, here's how I'm going to tie it in with something I'm going to do next week. We'll have Ron Hood on tomorrow. Monday, I'm going to do a a question and answer show. I have about 50 pages of articles by renowned experts, people like Jim Rogers, Gerald Salente, people like that, that have been written in the past week, and I'm sure I'll find more tomorrow and the next day. I'll probably go through 100 pages of material. It's extremely dry reading. It's extremely depressing reading from a lot of these guys. Uh, It's my job to go into stuff like that and extract it and make a show about something boring like the economy, exciting, uh, at least interesting, even if you're not happy about what you're hearing, but make it practical for you. Uh, I was going to do that today, and I didn't feel like reading 50 pages worth of material, especially doing another show last night. I'm going out and have dinner with my family and all of that, and a new dog, so putting that off, and I thought, well, instead of doing a different subject today then, why don't I give you you just flat out my freestyle view of the economy and what's going to happen today, without doing any research to back it up, my, the last time I've read about this stuff in depth is, God, four months ago, and then Tuesday next week, bring you the facts from the people that analyze this stuff every day, and see where we agree and see where we differ. 
And let's also look today at the things that you can do, if I'm right or if they're right, to better stabilize your situation. So here's the big place that I think I differ with a lot of experts. I see 2010 is going to be a relatively good year. Not a great year, but a hell of a lot better than 2008 and 2009. And people say, well, Jack, why do you believe that? Because I think we're creating the biggest bubble that the world has ever seen right now. And I think everybody's looking at the stock market climbing up close to 10,000 and going, see, that's the bubble. Well, that's not the bubble. The market used to be at 14,000. And I'm not saying it's going to get back there. So if you're waiting for that, I don't know that I would wait for it. I'm not saying it's not. I don't know what's going to happen. I really don't. But I think it's going to go higher. Than, it'll break 10, and it'll keep going up. It'll come back down. It'll go up. It'll work its way into at least the 11,000 range over the next year and a half to two years. Now, here's why I think that's going to happen. And I don't think the Dow is what we should be looking at to gauge the economy. Because right now, the Dow's saying the economy's a lot better than February. And if you look at the economy itself, it doesn't look a lot better than February. This is where some people are going to get bent out of shape if you don't listen to everything. I believe that the stimulus will work short term. Short term. I don't believe the stimulus is doing anything right now because 90% of the money hasn't been released yet. Remember back when we did this thing? It had to be done now. Oh, my God, we can't wait. No, I'm sorry I said we would review bills for five days before I signed them online. We'd be transparent, whatever. But we got to you know, pass this thing that exceeds the entire budget in the next 48 hours. So there's going to be martial law, and the world's going to break down. And you know, there's going to be a giant flushing sound as we go into a black hole, and we're done forever, and we're dead. Oh, my God, now we got to do it. Remember that? Well, the big problem that a lot of people had with that claim is that when you could see what was coming, the, the part of the bill that you could see, you could tell that the majority of the money wasn't actually starting to flow into the economy until around March to April of 2010. And nothing has changed. In fact, some of the money that was supposed to be in the economy now has already been stalled and not released into these shovel-ready programs and things like that. But the money, folks, the money's coming. They're getting ready to do it. And they're going to spend it, not because they promised that they would spend it and they want to help you. They're going to spend it because it's going to build new governmental apparatuses and increase their power. And they're all giddy and happy about all their social justice crap that they're going to shove down our throats with this thing. But it is coming. Now, the uh, the Keynesian economist will say if we if the government spends money on anything, it makes the economy better. doesn't matter. They can be buying trapper keepers. It'll make the economy better because as long as the money's in the economy, it stimulates it. They're not wrong. They're just not right either. It, it'll work. But how long it's going to work for is, is the big question. And the answer has historically always been not for very long. Here's the way this works. To make it, it's hard to understand a trillion dollars. You just can't wrap your head around that. So let's make it real for you. Let's say you're an average American family and you make $50,000 a year. But you're $200,000 in debt right now. And um, all the debt keepers are at the door. And you're about to go underwater. And uh, you're really in trouble. You're about to lose your house. You're about to uh, have everything possibly repossessed. When that happens, you're going to lose your job. You're on your way down into that sucking black hole. If I walk in there and I give you an American Express gold card with a $200,000 limit on it, 
and say, you don't even have to make payments on this card for 12 months. You'll start to look really financially healthy very, very quickly. The interesting thing is, by the time that 12 months are up and you have to start paying the, the, the money that you owe, you will probably owe more, not less, than you did when I came in and rescued you with that gold card. And then you'll have a bigger crash than you would have if I would have just let you crash in the first place. And most of us that would have a relative that had put themselves into that position wouldn't walk in and clear their debt for them with new debt and expect it to help. Well, that's exactly what the stimulus is going to do. So it's going to create this false sense of optimism. Everybody's going to think things are great. And it's going to begin to actually make a difference in 2010. Don't think the fact that that's an election year is coincidental. All right, that is a plan. The next thing that's going to happen in 2010, around August in 2010, the troops will come home from Iraq. Now, the reality is we're going to have about 50,000 Marines there for another year, but the press will play along with Obama and tell you that all the troops have come home. And they will tell you how great it is that Barack Obama has brought the troops home and how wonderful this is, and now the 50,000 Marine contingency is a small element, and it's just there to, to ease the final part of the transition. They're not actively involved in Barack Barack Obama did this because he wanted to make the deadline withdrawal commitment that he set up, and this is a wonderful thing, and we have to have that stabilizing force there, but they'll begin to come home soon themselves, and we're done with the Iraq war. That'll fuel stupid, moronic optimism going into the elections and going into the Christmas season. All in all, 2010 works out to be a decent year. My opinion, not the opinion of most economists right now that you know, are realists. I think I'm right. I think they're wrong on both sides of this thing. We'll see how this works out next week. Um, the other thing that's happening here is they're saying that unemployment is bottoming. And it is. A lot of the jobs that are out there to be lost have been lost. Now, the unemployment number, the percentage, is a joke. We all know that. There's new people coming to the workforce every day that aren't getting their first jobs. They're not being counted. There's people coming off their benefits that are still unemployed. They're not being counted. And a lot of people coming off their benefits then say, well, screw it, and they go get some part-time loser job for $8 an hour, at least so they can eat and feed their family, and they're struggling, and they're not really employed again, but they're considered working now. But they're looking for a job that pays what they were making before they lost their job. So the unemployment rate is not what I'm talking about, but the number of jobs being actually lost and people being laid off is is, is leveling out to typical levels. People lose their jobs all the time. In the best economies, people that suck get fired. And and that's a reality. And, And there's new efficiencies that are found, and then workforces are cut. That happens all the time. That's normal. But that total downward trend is bottom out, which means the people that still have money and still are working are becoming more and more confident that it's not going to be them next. So they're going to be stupid. They're going to see all this optimism. They're going to spend their money. The consumer-driven economy starts to take off. I, I cannot overstate how true it is that this is all planned right now. The, the people that control the Federal Reserve and the executive branch of our government and the legislative branch of our government, the Congress, the President, and the Fed, are all working together on this. They may disagree and the Fed may pull the strings whenever it wants to, but they do have to work together to some degree. And none of them are so stupid that they don't understand what's happening here. I'm not smarter than them, folks. If I know this, they know this. 
So understand that it's planned. Again, understand, understand, please understand that credit cards can't solve debt problems. And when we print money at the national level and start pumping it into the economy, it's not new money, it's new debt. That's all it is. You pull a dollar bill out of your pocket and look at it right now. It's a certificate for debt. There's two ways you can think about it. A stock, a stock certificate for one share in the United States of America. And we look at it that way. Our stock value has been in decline for the last couple of years. And it's going to continue to decline even through this false recovery. The value of the dollar will continue to fall. Because of that, this is what's going to fuel the other side. Before I get to that, though, real quick, the other thing that's going to happen that's going to begin to be the catalyst for the negative is health care reform will actually start to hit us in 2011. They're going to pass something this, this winter, folks. They're going to do it. 2009 will not end without a health care bill. Obama's threatened every moderate Democrat he can. He's bartered, he's begged, and he's threatened. He's strong-armed and he's soft-mouthed. He's done everything necessary to set this up, to get a bill through that looks like it doesn't have a public option, uh, pass cloture where you need 60 votes in the Senate, to give the moderates a way out, and they're going to say, well, I voted for it when there wasn't a public option. When it came back around again and they snuck one in at the end, I voted against it. They know what they're doing. They know exactly what the hell they're doing. That's the game that's going to be played. And they're going to shove this thing down our throats even though we don't want it, even though we threatened them. Why wouldn't they? They did it with Stimulus 1. They did it with the auto bailout. They did it with Stimulus 2. They've shoved everything we haven't wanted, no matter how much opposition down our throat. Why do you think this is going to be different? They put that monstrosity in place. People are going to stop fighting it because there's no longer a reason to fight it because it's already done. For the first year, through 2010, nothing's going to happen. It will have passed. They'll be farting around with it. They'll be putting little test things in place to get it up and running. But it won't actually start to affect anybody until around 2011. For the first year, it's only going to affect all those people that they said it was going to affect. It's not going to affect you for the first year. That gives Obama free sailing right into 2012. See, I told you. And, and then and then we're going to have to pay the bill for this damn thing. We don't have the money. And that's going to begin the other side of this. That's going to begin to take this 2010, 2011, maybe even a little bit into 2012. 2012, we're going to be heading down, but it's not going to look that bad. It's going to be from this big, huge hill. And it's going to look like a simple correction. And Obama's betting people are going to give them the benefit of the doubt. The Republicans are betting that they won't. But they're all doing this together. There's no their side and our side in this. Those of you who have convinced yourself of that haven't paid attention to history going back to the foundation of the Federal Reserve in 1913. Now, what's the what's going to be the other? Okay, so health care, is that enough to tank the economy by itself? No. But the other thing that's going to happen is that right now these other nations, as I said, are dumping our dollar. They're getting rid of our money. Now, the Chinese are sitting on billions and billions and billions. They can't dump all our money at once. What they're doing is they're taking their debt certificates that they're holding, their Federal Reserve notes, right? They're taking our money, and they're going to Africa, and they're buying commodities and companies and gold and silver and gold and silver mines. They're coming to America, and they're using their debts that they're holding as currency, and they're buying American farmland, 
They're buying up exportation contracts with co- countries throughout the Far East for exclusive rights to a portion or all of their grain exports. They're making a major chess move right now using our money and slowly by using it, spending it and getting rid of it and slowly cutting it up in little pieces as they divest it throughout the world. I don't think people understand that. China's actually spending their treasury notes. That's how we make our money. We issue a treasury note to China. They buy it with their own fake money that's pegged to our dollar for right now. We issue the money as a certificate against the debt that they're holding. They take their debt, which is currency, and spend it and get our money out of their hands and switch over to commodities. Folks, India's doing it too. Brazil is doing it, but not so much with our money because they're not holding anywhere near as much money as the Chinese are or as the British are or as the Europeans are. But they're slowly divesting themselves as well. India as well. It's happening. Big news report out. I haven't read it, but I saw the headline saying, you know what? This is happening. Another headline I saw is that Obama's new taxes that were never going to happen and no one was going to pay anymore, when you add up all these new governmental things that people are going to have to pay into, all these taxes on business that are going to be passed on to you, the consumer, add up to over $1.5 trillion in new taxation. $1.5 trillion. You say, doesn't that solve our problem? We'll be able to pay our bills. No, because tax receipts are going to go down. What? Huh? How, how can that be? How can tax receipts go down? If the government has $1.5 trillion in new taxes for us to take our money away, how can they get less money? Wouldn't they get more? No. doesn't work that way. When Ronald Reagan took office, one of the things he did that made a lot of sense is he cut taxes. He cut the heck out of it. I mean, he cut taxes like a madman. It was crazy what he did. And by the time he left office, tax receipts were higher than they had ever been in the history of the country. Why? Because when you cut taxes, you put the country on sale. You put the cost of doing business on sale. And if you're running a store and you have a whole bunch of shotgun shells you want to sell, do you jack the price up really high? compared to your competitors? Or do you cut the price to the bone compared to your your competitors, but still leave yourself a profit? You go with a narrow profit and you make billions of dollars. That's what Walmart does. Well, folks, people say, well, there's no competitor to the United States government. Yeah, there is. The government of China, the government of Brazil, the government of Mexico, the government of Ireland, the government of India, the government of Pakistan, the government of the former Soviet Republic of Georgia, the government of Russia. These are all our competitors for international business. Country has to decide, where am I going to invest my time and resources? The country that's going to tax me out the kazoo? The the country that's going to be the the lone idiots that agreed to cap and tax? Or a country like Ireland with a corporate tax rate of 11%? Oh, let me think. Let's play some Jeopardy music. So that's what's going to happen. We're going to once again push even more business out of this country. And as we do that, uh, people are going to get more and more layoffs. There's going to be less and less money earned. 
less and less production. So it doesn't matter how much you raise taxes or what the percentage is that you're taking. Uh, let's put it to you this way. Would you rather have 10% if I said right now I'm going to give you 10% of a trillion dollars or 100% of $100,000? Which one would you want? You know, our government's so stupid that the Congressional Budget Office one time was asked, what would our tax receipts be if we taxed the people at 100%? It was done by a congressman trying to make a point. that You can't just keep adding more to it. That if you tax people at 100%, the answer is you'll get nothing. Because nobody will do anything if you don't pay them anymore. If you tax me 100%, effectively I don't get anything. Guess what? Those clowns came up with a number. <laughs> they, they came up with an answer to that question. They didn't get the question. They didn't understand it. Well, that's what's going to happen. There's all these new taxes, all these countries divesting themselves of our money. The fake optimism is going to lead to more false spending and more stupidity and more debt of getting out of this war and health care reform being passed and look, nothing bad happened and, you know, the little bit of a change of power in Congress is going to make everybody feel good and, and yada, yada, yada. But the real, the real facts on the ground are nothing's actually being fixed. That rattle you hear in your car, right, if you turn the radio up, you don't hear the rattle anymore, but it's still there. Whatever damage it's doing, it continues to do it. Every time you hit a speed bump, every time you drive down the highway, and sooner or later the car has to fall off the rails. That's what we're doing with our economy. And what I see happening on the other side of this thing is one of the biggest crashes that has ever occurred that might make what just happened over the last couple of years look like a joke. And I really mean that. And I'm going to tell you what's going to cause it is inflation. Inflation will look like prosperity at first. You say, how can inflation ever be good? Inflation is a tool used by the Federal Reserve to fuel and control the economy. They inflate things to slow it down at certain points. They inflate things to speed it up at certain points. They deflate it to do the same thing in different situations. They primarily do it through interest rates, not money volume. They cut interest rates to the bone, and it speeds the economy up. They jack interest rates up, and it slows it down, and they try to run this balancing act. Keep everything kind of in check. We don't want it to run away. We don't want it to fall flat. It needs to have slow, steady growth. And that was the promise made by the Fed when it was established, that they can manipulate things and create that slow, steady growth. We'll, we'll keep it in check. It won't grow too fast. It will never come down too hard. We'll control it like a throttle. Well, look at interest rates. They've been cut to the bone. They've stayed cut to the bone. And they really haven't done anything. So they went into printing money. That's the only thing you can do. They printed as much money as they could. And countries started to slow down on how much they were willing to buy. Because remember, to print money, somebody has to buy it. So we started printing our own money to buy our own debt with. Which means we're really making monopoly money now. So we shove all this money into the system. It still hasn't got the economy jump-started. What it's going to take is somebody letting go of the money in the system. That's what the stimulus is. So that creates this, this, this wave of cash. But a wave always comes in and eventually does what? It crashes into the shore. That's what's going to come. When is it going to be? It might be 2012. 
It might be 2014. It might be 2016. I don't know. It's really going to be when most of the big countries in the world have chopped up our debt and spread it out over all the little countries in the world. And those countries start going, I don't want this crap, and they start dumping it in mass. That's really going to fuel it. That's going to be the gas on the fire that will already be burning high. So what can we do about this? Here's some things you can do. One, buy some gold and or silver. Or just buy some silver. Or just buy some gold. Put some of your money into precious metals. I mean that. I have no qualms saying that. Right now, for me, silver is a safer play. I I think that gold might be a little bit overvalued for right now. I think there might be a better opportunity to buy it. I've been wrong about that before. If you told me right now, Jack, I'm going to put 5% of my savings in gold and 5% in silver, I'd say, great, go ahead, you do it. If you told me you're going to put 50% of your savings in either one, i tell you, you're crazy, don't do that, you're risking too much, one, you know, too many eggs in one basket. But 10% of your your savings, if you said I only want to do five, I'd like, okay, five's cool. Five's actually pretty good. Better than most people. Okay. You told me I want to do one percent. I'd say you're not doing enough. You're not. You're not creating enough of a safety net. Say so you don't want to do any. Fine. Find something else. It's a good, solid, quality uh, uh, investment. A good holding share of value. We'll talk about some other things here in a minute. But gold and silver. The whole point of gold and silver, folks, and this is let me answer a question I keep getting. Where can I find an honest seller of silver coins? Well, you can start with our sponsor, Tea Party Silver. You can buy some of our commemorative silver rounds because they have some collector value plus the underlying silver value, and they don't sell for much over the spot price of a silver eagle. When it comes to buying silver eagles, I would suggest somebody, if you want to do it online like Bullion Direct, at least to get your pricing from and understand what a fair price for a silver eagle is. You don't need an honest silver dealer. That's like saying you're looking for an honest money dealer. Like if, if you had a $100 bill and you needed 520s, would you worry about which store you asked to break it for you if somebody was willing to give you 520s for it? No. Because it's currency. Silver's currency. So as long as you're not buying it through the mail, if you're going to a shop, look at the spot price. You should be paying on average from most stores between 10 and 15% over the spot price of silver uh, for a silver eagle, and that's it. If it's 50% over spot price, they're ripping you off. And, and a lot of online sellers of silver eagles have a problem. They can't, because of the way they sell them, change their price every day if they're not big enough. So they have to set a price that account for a big upswing in silver. So a lot of times if you're buying from a small seller online, Silver Eagles, you're not going to do as well uh, as if you buy something uh, like that from a bigger uh, house or from a local shop. So go find a local shop. Walk in. Ask what he's currently selling Silver Eagles for. Get a price. Say, hey, here's the spot price. How much do you sell over spot? Bring a calculator. If he's 50% over spot, it's probably not worth talking about. If he's 20% over spot, I bet you if you say, look, let's do 15% over spot. Unless there's something that's just about to drive the metal market up tomorrow morning that he knows about, he'll do it. Don't be afraid to, to, to go out and, and make some deals on this stuff. But definitely get some silver and gold in your portfolio. Number two, land is still extremely depressed. If you have money, if you have purchasing power, and if you don't have to go into stupid debt for it, land is one of the best investments you can make right now, whether you have a house on it or not. Now, don't just go buy anything. Don't get emotionally attached to anything. Be a smart buyer and be willing to walk away from any deal. And anytime you make an offer, even if you think the offer, the asking price is totally fair, if you think it's extremely low, lowball the damn offer anyway. 
go in 20-30% under the asking price. They're going to do two things. They're going to laugh at you because you're too low and tell you to piss off. And if you do that, you know what you do? If you really think it's worth 10% under asking, come back with a counteroffer a couple days later, a couple weeks later. Land's not going anywhere right now. It's not going to run away from you. Don't get panicky. Don't let some real estate agent that's, that's hurting for a sale tell you, oh, this is a really good value, man. This could be gone tomorrow if we don't make a strong offer right now. Go in at 30% under. It's not going to hurt. You know, do you think the guy is going to go when you come back with a little bit better of an offer if you're willing to go up? Going to go, oh, I, I don't care if you give me asking price now. I don't want to deal with you because you, come on. That's nonsensical. You know what? In, in fact, I would tell you if you don't, if they didn't counter offer, don't even bother. Go find another piece of land and go in 30% under again. Keep doing it until somebody comes back with a counter that, you know, they think they're doing okay because now they're only 20% under asking price. And make sure you get an appraisal on the property. Make sure it's worth more than you're paying for it right now. You should always be able to buy land for more than you're paying for it right now. So land is another big-time uh, heavy investment that I'm in favor of right now. Next, something I tell you to do all the time, store food. Create yourself a home grocery store. It's going to become one of the best ways in the world to save money in the future. Uh, you're going to have stores as shortages and surpluses happen throughout the food supply, cutting the price of one food and jacking the price of the other food up. That's how they're going to keep the total grocery bill somewhat level for the average American. It'll climb, but it won't climb overnight. That's how the just-in-time inventory system is going to work. I'll hide my losses on this item with a gain on this item if I'm the inventory manager for the store. What that's going to mean is there's going to be a lot of times where things are put way down low on price to bring people in or to make people feel good about spending too much money. And as things get dropped in price, you'll be able to stock up on those. And since you have a surplus, you won't have to buy the things that are in short supply because we're going to have food shortages. Uh, what's happened in the San Joaquin Valley in California this year guarantees it. You're going to see produce prices going through the roof by the end of the year. Into next year, it's going to be ugly. I, I, I hate to say it, but it's true. That's the way it's going to be. Uh, it's going to be part of what drives a fake recovery, and it's going to drive the, the, the fall on the other side. Real quick before I go on, why is why does inflation look like recovery? I don't think I explained that. Because when the price of everything goes up, in a business is selling products, their total top-line revenue goes up as prices rise. So if I'm selling a product for $10 today to a reasonable number of consumers because they have to buy it, it's a need, and I start selling it for $12 tomorrow, and, and my business doesn't really get hurt much at first because inflation's happening everywhere, so people accept the price hike, and everybody's willing to keep buying it at 12 well, it looks like I'm making a lot more money. But then as the inflation continues to climb, eventually it stalls. And when it stalls, that's where the fall comes on the other side of it. So, again, storing food, if, you, if you're really, you know, you're sitting on some cash right now and you don't want it all to be in cash, put in a nice organization system so you can fully utilize your food storage. Uh, bring in some long-term stored food for your disaster preps. 30 days is probably sufficient. If you have another four to six months' worth of everyday food that you eat every day and you're rotating that food, that's six months' supply 
throw on a one to one and a half year timetable, but get a very good organization, invest some money and put building shelves or whatever you need to do to make sure that the food doesn't just sit there and eventually go to the homeless shelter. You want to be utilizing it. When you need something, you want to go downstairs to your own pantry and pretend it's your shopping from your own grocery store and run your own inventory control. It's time for you to start running your home like a business. It's time for you to start taking the advantage of opportunity buy and uh, capital deferral which means that I'm deferring the new expense because I have a stored commodity. You need to start running your food the way Southwest Airlines runs their fuel. When gas goes down, they buy contracts. And when gas goes up, they use those contracts to keep purchasing the fuel at the previous low. And they can't guarantee that they're not going to keep paying more for fuel, but what they can do is they can very shrewdly make sure that most of the time they're paying less for their fuel than their comp competition is. And because of that, they have a competitive advantage. The biggest burn that you have, that you have direct control over, is your food supply. You'd say it's your mortgage, spend more on my mortgage than on my food bill. That's fine, but your mortgage is a fixed expense until you pay it off. You can't lower your mortgage on one month and raise it on the next month uh, on a whim. You can do that with food if you're smart about it. You can burn it to the ground one month and then use the capital saved for very smart opportunity buying in the next month. Please start doing that. Um, Spend some money on assets, on things that are useful to you. Buy things that will last you 10 years or more. Don't hoard. I want you to save money, but I don't want you to hoard it. Like start stuffing your mattress or something where you completely, totally don't buy anything and start living like a pauper. Because there's too much of a good thing. So save smart and spend smart. Put priority on long-term value and building production capability for yourself. Investing in alternative energy is a good thing to do right now. Investing in your garden. Investing in land and and not just buying land and letting it sit there, but turning it into a production facility. Putting in things like ponds. Do you know how many construction companies are barely surviving right now? That are just near death. That are just trying to keep their guy employed for a week at a time. They're one or two guys they've kept around because they have loyalty to them. Do you know how cheap it is to hire heavy equipment right now to come in and put a pond in for you? Maybe the day you make the first couple phone calls it's not, but call five or six contractors and say, look, here's what I need done. I'm getting five or six bids. And you'll have somebody come do it just over cost, just so they can keep their guy working. Take advantage of that opportunity right now. You know, it's going to help that business stay in business for another week. It's going to help put food on the table for another week. And it's going to give you the opportunity to get something done that you otherwise maybe could not afford. So invest in your land. If you can't build a really big, badass greenhouse because you don't have the skills, I guarantee you there's contractors right now that are not working that can come out and frame the greenhouse for you you in a day that would do it for a hundred bucks a labor an individual it's not a hard thing to do for a guy that's skilled and has the tools and uh, then you could take over from there and put your uh, your glass and glazing and everything else on so you're going to pay for the materials and maybe a hundred dollars worth of labor you're not going to be able to do that during this false recovery you're going to have to wait till the other side of it if you're not ready for it wait But if you can do it, now is an opportune time so that when the recovery comes, you can be solidifying your position rather than just trying to create it in the first place. Um, Keep some cash. Do not 
severe cash right now just because inflation is going to come. Uh, I, I talk to people often. I get questions from people often. We've got $20,000 saved, but we're afraid to just leave it in cash. Why? The dollar's not going to go to nothing overnight. You know that Patriots book where in two months the dollar went from being worth a dollar to being worth absolutely nothing? doesn't happen that way. It's a spiral. If you get to a point where we're going to need to start dumping cash, you'll know it. You're paying attention. You'll know it long before the sheep and the ostriches. Keep cash on hand. When it happened in Argentina, and the currency got extremely devalued and inflation happened, the people that still had some cash saved, they said, yeah, my money buys less, but at least I have some money. We're a long way from the Weimar Republic, folks, no matter what Glenn Beck tells you. Not saying we won't get there, but we're a long way from it. We have Argentina between now and Weimar, the Weimar Republic. And uh, that gives you still some opportunity to work with. And you're going to need cash to do that, so keep some cash on hand. Remember that debt is evil in good times and bad. I had a guy ask me this week by email, maybe he's listening today. I'll do it on the listener question show again and expand on it. But um, he says he would like to get uh, laser eye surgery, but he'd have to go into debt to do it. Uh, that he doesn't feel safe just relying on you know glasses and it should hit the fan. Um, I would tell you buy a very cheap second set of glasses right now. Find out what your payment plan would be. Then find out what a cash price is for the surgery. Use your glasses for now. Start making payments to yourself in the amount of the payment plan. You'll end up paying 60 to 70% less for the surgery and go pay cash for the surgery. No, don't go into Hawk for laser eye surgery. You've lived this long in your life without it. You can get a cheap pair of glasses online for 20 bucks to use in an emergency. Don't do that to yourself. And shop around for laser eye surgery. Now, don't go get discount Dr. Bob's cheap laser eye surgery, right? You're dealing with your eyes. You want a quality, proven professional. But that's gotten to be a very competitive business now. And there's very skilled doctors with a lot of surgeries under their belts uh, that are doing it very inexpensively. I know there's some people here locally in Dallas. One of the very good, he's very good. This guy's done laser eye surgery for the Dallas Cowboy players. And he's doing it for like $500 an eye now if you do a cash deal with him. Because it doesn't take long. It's very profitable business. Once they pay off all that expensive equipment, they're making more money than any general practitioner doctor doing a few surgeries a day. And they don't have to work hard to do a few surgeries a day. So debt is always evil, even for something like that. I mean, if you have back pain and you're going into agony and you're you're having a miserable life, then maybe debt's okay for medicine. If you're going to die, that's definitely okay for medicine. But you're afraid that if the shit hits the fan, your glasses might get lost? Dude, that's not a place for debt. Please don't try to make excuses for your debt. Please do not be 100% invested into anything. Don't put 100% of your money into land. Don't put 100% of your money into gold. Don't put 100% of your money into real estate. Don't put 100% of your money into your business. Don't put 100% of your money into cash. Don't put 100% of your assets into any one category. Period. Do not put 100% of the savings that you're doing into retirement. I don't care that your financial advisor says never do less than 10%, never reduce your contributions. He doesn't pay your freaking bills and he never will. 
If you can only save 10%, then only 5 goes into tax-deferred accounts, like IRAs, 401ks, etc. If you can save 20 and you want to do 10, I'm okay with that. Do not put 100% of your savings there. You need to be saving money you can get your hands on that's liquid. And then you need to be investing it smart into things like metals and what have you. If you have a bunch of money in an IRA, and you don't want to hold cash in that IRA, and you don't want to hold stocks in that IRA, and you want gold and silver, don't cash your IRA out and pay a 50% penalty to buy silver and gold. That's just dumb. That means you just paid a 100% premium to buy that gold or silver. 100%. You paid double. Because you're going to pay over half of that money back to the government between fees and taxes. So don't do it. You want gold or silver with the money that's in your IRA? Buy it in the IRA. If you have to roll it to a different type of IRA to do it, fine, do it. But you can do it. When I say get your money out of the stock market, you people that are in 401ks, and I'm not saying that right now. I don't know what to do with the stock market right now based on anybody's position. I know I'm not buying stocks right now. I'm just not. Actually, I have a 401k that I'm doing a 2% contribution to that I'm buying a a variety of stocks and and, and what have you in. That's it. That's the only stocks I'm buying right now because, you know what, I think the false recovery is coming, but I'm not willing to bet the farm on it. 2%. That's it. Everything else is, is going into cash or assets that are hard commodities. That's it. That's all I'm doing right now. And occasionally I look at a stock and go, I'll throw a 1000 bucks at that stock. And that's, I mean, and sometimes I've thrown a couple hundred dollars at a stock. When Ford was down to like a dollar forty, I bought like three hundred shares of it for like five hundred dollars. That was a good buy. I haven't sold it yet. You know why? I think Ford is going to survive all of this because they didn't take the government's money. I think they're going to have hard times. And it was only five hundred bucks. And if it goes to zero, oh well, I'm out. That was a gamble. But I'm not putting money I'm counting on into the stock market right now. If you're holding stocks, I don't know whether you should be holding them or not. You've got to talk to your financial advisor. But if it's all your money's there, get some of it out and put it somewhere safer. I'm okay with some money going into bonds, too. I'm not totally against paper assets. But when you're, if you're all your money's in a 401k and you think, I want out of the stock market, and I've got to pay all these penalties to get my money out of your 401k, no, you don't. There's a cash value fund in your 401k, a money market or some type of fund like that. It has to be. They're required to have one. All you do is move all your money from all your mutual funds into that cash value fund. That's it. And that's what people that were listening last year before the crash that listened to this show did. And it saved them, in some cases, hundreds of thousands of dollars of loss. So I'm not saying it's time to do it now. Again, I don't know what to do now with the stock market. Other than, again, I'm not putting a lot of money in there. But I'm telling you, 100% goes nowhere. Use diversification, not the way your broker tells you. Well, we'll put some in the international funds, and we'll put some in the big cap and large cap and small cap, and a little bit over here in fixed income. It's still all stocks. It's still all stocks. It's still all tax deferred. You still can't touch it till you're 60 or older. It's 100% one place. Don't freaking do it. Use that diversification with the piece that's there. But then diversify elsewhere. Again, land, commodities, food, cash. These are the things that will carry you through the hard times. When everybody else is looking at their 401k and sobbing about it, even though they can't touch it for 30 years and they're acting nonsensical anyway. Having the tangible will let you ride that out with the part of the investment you're willing to make the long-term risk with. 
Last but not least, and most importantly, as I close up today, do not freak out. Every time I do a show like this, I get emails from people that start freaking out. Oh my God, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? You do the things I just said. You do them slowly and methodically. The world is not ending tomorrow. When Gerald Salente says that there will be riots in the streets by Christmas time this year, and the, 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 the whole thing is going to crash by Christmas time this year. I have a lot of respect for Mr. Salenti. I think he sees a lot of things that other people don't. But please remember that we're supposed to be the same thing before Christmas last year, according to Mr. Salenti. And it didn't happen. It hasn't happened yet. And the real estate market was supposed to completely crash by now. The, the second real estate market, the commercial real estate market, to Mr. Salente's credit. It's in deep shit, folks. But has, it, what he said would happen hasn't happened yet. I'm not saying he's wrong. I'm just saying these, these, these people that put these short-term timelines out there, even the people that I respect that do it, are playing a game. If I keep throwing it out there, and I know I'm right, I just don't know when, I keep throwing the timeline out there, when it does happen, I'll be on Fox News, and they'll be saying, well, here's Mr. Salenti six months ago. Within six months, blah, blah, blah will occur. And almost like clockwork, that happened today. Gerald, why did you know this was coming? And he gets his additional 30 minutes of fame. And he keeps building his brand and his recognition. I'm not even faulting the guy for it. But I'm telling you how the game works so that you'll understand it. So you'll understand how to take the important information from people like him and use it. Because, I, I, again, I'm not beating this guy about tremendous respect for the intuition that this man has. But I'm telling you, some of these short-term timelines, I'm not buying into it. And I have a real skepticism for anybody that puts strict timelines on a prediction, especially when they claim insider knowledge. When you get an email or see a blog entry that says, put all your money into gold now, there's a secret meeting by the Federal Reserve to declare a bank holiday on September 18th, and I know this from some guy in the CIA. Bullshit. It's always bullshit. Every time it happens, it's bullshit. Every time you see it, it never actually happens on the other side of it. Put that up there with a guy that says, God told me the world's ending tomorrow. Can't say that there'll never be an end of the world, but I ain't basing the fact that it's going to be tomorrow because you told me God told you so. Alright? So don't freak out. Stay steady, smart, and be strategic with the things that you're doing. Ask yourself why you feel the certain way. And then temper how you feel with why you feel that way. If you suddenly feel something, oh my God, you're panicking. It's wrong. It's always wrong. Go play Nintendo or surf the web or listen to some music or take a walk and come back at the issue with a calm, sane, rational mind. You do that with everything. I don't care if the disaster is on the way. It's a, it's a hurricane coming at your house. It's going to blow it down. You stop, you think, you assess, you enact your plan, and then you act on it. You don't panic. You don't freak out. Now, if, if you can do that, when a hurricane is likely to be destroying your home that you're going to have to leave, and I think most of you can, then when somebody comes up with a theory, you can do the same thing. You have time, you have intelligence, you have assets, you have a plan. Start working on it harder, yes, faster, yes, but calm, methodically, strategically. And that will help you a long way. 
uh, toward realizing the goals that you have to make sure that you and your family can stand through anything, be it a natural disaster, a man-made disaster, or economic woes. This has been Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast, helping you figure out how to live a better life if times get tough, or even if they don't. you wonder where can scream and you can holler it really doesn't matter cause it all gets spent